on Young Nostalgia, the heart of podcasts is still beaten in Cleveland. Let's take a look. back once again for another fabulous episode of Young Nostalgia. I'm Nolan. As always, Ben is beside me. Wow. Okay. I've got all this energy and he just covers me up on his phone. Oh my gosh. It's good to see you. I was turning the volume up. (laughs) How you doing, big guy? Well, I I was better before, before I just got called out. Yeah, I'm just calling you out on your bullcrap, man. That's all it is. I'm just trying to turn the volume up so I can hear you. I'll, t- I'll turn right back down. Whatever. No, wait. No, no, Whatever. no, no. <laughs> how, how have you been? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad at all. How are you doing? Good. Uh, super excited about this episode. Then and now, Volume 10 deals all with one of Ben and I's favorite uh, musical, um, amazing, uh, talented, very uh, fragile groups. Welcome to the Adjective Show. Yeah, welcome. (laughs) Just change our name. Uh, Huey Lewis in the News is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, We're going to be talking about Huey Lewis like as an individual musician as well as the band in in its entirety. But uh, there is so much going on with this group, both just Huey as a person and overall. Uh, And it's going to be a crazy, crazy show. But yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're actually uh, planning on covering two different people this show. Huey Lewis as well as uh, Rod Stewart we're going to throw in there too. Uh, turns out Huey Lewis's life was... Uh, he had so much going on in his life that we decided just to stick with Huey. And it's it, it turned into an actually a pretty long show just, just sticking with him. So, Right. Stay right. tuned and so, for the next then and now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Where, where we'll pick up with Rod Stewart. But thank you guys so much for joining us again on another fabulous week of Young Nostalgia. Um, you know, it means a lot that you come back uh, week to week just to hear us read Wikipedia pages to you. But, you know, obviously it means a lot for you to be here. Wow, giving out all and the secrets, like, man. If you like what you hear, as always, uh, hit that subscribe button, hit the five-star review, and please write a comment about what you enjoy about the show. So, it is going to be a jam-packed show, so I feel like we should just get down to business and uh, start killing it. What do you think? Do it. All right, man. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to Young Nostalgia. I'm Nolan. As always, Ben is beside me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, so then and now, volume 10, all about Huey Lewis and the news. So the head man, you know, the head man, uh, Huey Lewis, born Hugh Anthony Craig III on July 5th, 1950, known professionally as Huey Lewis, is a Grammy-winning American singer, songwriter, as well as actor, um, being portrayed in 1985's Back to the Future as you heard in the beginning of this episode, uh, where he made a cameo. So Lewis sings lead and plays the harmonica for his band Huey Lewis and the News, in addition to writing or co-writing many of the band's songs. The band is known for their third and best-selling album, Sports, and their contribution to the soundtrack of the 1985 feature film, Back to the Future. Lewis previously played with the band Clover from 1972 to 1979 before forming Huey Lewis and the News. And that is where his career shined all right man 
So why don't you take us into the then? We might have to split this up because there's a lot in the then. So don't feel like you have to tackle the entire then. Sounds good. We'll we'll tag team it here. <clears throat> so Huey Lewis was uh, actually born in New York City. Uh, his father being Hugh Anthony Craig Jr., uh, an Irish-American from Boston, while his mother, Maria Magdalena Bar- uh, Barsinski, was Polish and from <laughs> Warsaw. Can you imagine if it was like Barsinski in the news? <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty funny. That doesn't roll off the tongue quite as nice. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, uh, Lewis was actually raised in Marin County, California, living in the uh, Tamal. Tamalpas Valley. Wow, I'm, I'm I did I did a lot of the show prep on this and I forgot to look up how to pronounce the Tamal Tamal Tamil Pass Tamil Pass. Yeah, Tamalpas we'll go with Valley. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, parents divorced relatively early on. Uh, he was 13 years old, resulting in Lewis actually moving back to New Jersey, uh, where he would attend and graduate from Lawrenceville All Male Prep School. Um, and this is. Just some kind of interesting backstory to Huey Lewis. He would later score a perfect 800 on the math portion of the SAT before um, he would ultimately attend Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, uh, later on. And I believe he also skipped at least one grade in elementary school as well. That's crazy. I mean, you hear a lot about these stories, just how musicians in general are like geniuses as well. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, he, he went the musician route because, I mean, there's a lot of like math and all that other stuff in terms of like, you know, beats per minute and how things will land and sound together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of crazy to see how on paper smart this guy was. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I don't have any stats as far as what he how well he did on other portions of any testing. Um, but, you know, just, you know, a high score is one thing, but perfect 800 on the SAT is, I mean, that's stupid impressive. Unless he just wrote the answers on his hand, you know? <laughs> yeah, he could have done, he could have just been a colossal cheater the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you heard it here, folks. Uh, kind of fast forwarding a little bit, although he's talking about his childhood. Um, in an interview with David Letterman, uh, Lewis talked about how he hitchhiked across the country back to New York city and how he, that's where he learned to play harmonicas while he was waiting for rides while hitchhiking. He's like, Oh, I got nothing better to do. So exactly. Um, he's, and he continued on with the interview, uh, talking about hanging out at, at the airport for three days until he actually stowed away on a plane to Europe. <laughs> it like you know remember i told you how there's so much going on in huey lewis's life that we had to make a whole show about him it's this kind of stuff right here is what i'm talking about right um, it's crazy because like you know he comes off as like you know a very like th- the man's man like a classy guy mm-hmm. but he's done some really sketchy things man like he's done <laughs> some things that like he might not have seen the light of day afterwards well, yeah, I mean, well, back then too. I, okay, well, I'm not say, gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say it's easy to sneak onto a plane, um, but I would imagine at this time it would have been exponentially easier than it would be now. Okay, uh, I see what you're you saying. Know, yeah, you got to go through TSA and get probed half a dozen times before you actually get onto <laughs> the plane. You know, um, either way, that's. I mean, it's really cool. Uh, in later interviews, Lewis would kind of talk a little bit more about some of the encounters he had while traveling around Europe. Uh, while visiting visiting Aberdeen, Scotland, uh, no money and absolutely nowhere to sleep, he claimed that the locals were extremely hospitable, 
um, by offering him somewhere to stay. Um, in Mid- Madrid, Spain, he became an accomplished blues player as he hitchhiked and supported himself by busking with his harmonica, basically street performing for money, food, place to sleep, whatever. Um, Crazy. This is where he actually gave his first uh, concert, kind of played in a, basically played in a pub and uh, earned enough money to actually buy a plane ticket. He bought a plane ticket this time back to the United States. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, talk about all of this is just writing material for the future, right? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't necessarily look into it before the show unfortunately but I, I wonder if he has a book about all this he almost has to if he doesn't then oh, yeah. that would be such a waste right gosh what amazing stories that could <laughs> that could have been in that <laughs> i love it um so after he got back to the united states this is where he would this is when he enrolled in the engineering program at cornell university um you know just some more weird tidbits of Huey Lewis backstory. It was during this time at Cornell, he made friends with Lance and Larry Hoppin, who later played with Orleans and Eddie Talehu of King Harvest. Um, he was initially an extremely active student and member of the fraternity Ada Lambda Nu. Uh, Lewis soon lost interest in college, though, never ended up graduating. Um, it was he. He left Cornell and he ended up signing with a band called. Uh, excuse me. He yes, he signed up with a band called Slippery Elm. Lost my place. I'm um, in December of 1969 during his junior year. He dropped out of Cornell and moved back to the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, it basically was all because his, his real goal in life was to continue playing music, um, but you know, it, it, interesting enough. You know, along the way, he kind of did other odd jobs and had little side careers, too. Um, you know, he was in a bunch of goofy fields of work, like landscaping. Uh, he was in carpentry for a little while. Um, and believe it or not, he was actually in wedding and event planning. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. That's probably one of the fam- my favorite things I, in this I entire know. show, bro. <laughs> I know. And uh, and he also, he was, he was into uh, delivering and selling of uh, natural foods for a little while as well. That's so cool. <laughs> I love it. You know, you know, if, if you take a look at it, Huey Lewis is just like us, man. Just like any of us. He just wants to be a content creator, follow his dreams, you know, <laughs> it just <laughs> works odd it's jobs. Like just the more, the, the more we dive into his life, the more just oddball stuff there was. Right. He was just like a regular guy who, like to sing and play his harmonica in his free time and it just ended up working out like i don't know it's it's just kind of a a weird story i love it i can't wait to like i haven't read through you know the entire show prep because there's just a lot here but i can't wait to find out that he actually only has two fingers (laughs) and so he can play the harmonica with two fingers yeah Um, you know he lost him in a knife fight with a hobo yeah right (laughs) in madrid Uh, oh my god you want to go ahead and take over yeah, man. Uh, okay, so taken off after his uh, college escapades, in 1971, uh, Lewis then joined the Bay Area band Clover. And around this time, he took the stage name of Huey Lewis, spelled H-U-G-H-I-E-L-O-U-I-S. Um, and the spelling of which he would tinker with for many years after as he kind of 
uh, expanded his professional career. Um, in 1976, after playing in the Bay Area, area with limited success, Clover went and moved to Los Angeles. They had their big break in a club there when their act was caught by Nick Lowe, who convinced Clover to travel over to Great Britain with the producer. However, Clover arrived in Britain just as their folk rock sound, known as pub rock in Britain, was being replaced by punk rock. What a terrible... <laughs> what? Like, okay, so in the span of that 12 hours of flying on the plane over to Britain, you know, you got convinced to just come over, you know, produce music, produce a record, and they're like, oh yeah, your your, your, your music just isn't good enough anymore. <laughs> People don't want to hear that. Like, why would you even want to do that? I don't know. It, I mean, it almost seems like the producer, Nick Lowe, was like lost, like he didn't know what was going on. Well, yeah, it, it, he probably got back like a couple years prior and heard uh, he, he, he was in Europe and got back a couple years prior and then heard Huey Lewis or like, oh, wow, this sound is super popular overseas right now. Like you guys right. need to go. Um, and he's been out of it for so long and you get back over there and like, holy cow, it is really changed in this last year. <laughs> so. <laughs> that would be such a bummer. Um, it would. Oh god. Also, uh, not to sidetrack, uh, but want to circle back a little bit. Um, the spelling H U G H I E L O U I S. Um, there has been so many iterations of Huey Lewis, and some name. Some sometimes he was even credited by other names entirely, like Bluesy Huey or. Really? Any different name. So we will cover some of them, but there were so many that we just had to start kind of glossing over some of them because he, he actually changed his name so many times. That's cool. That's pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. One of these times, I just want him to throw a curveball and just be like Benjamin Lewis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it hasn't really ever changed after Huey Lewis in the news, but it was more... Uh, leading up to that. And then a lot of times when he was credited as totally different names, it was when he was uh, working on somebody else's album, either as a songwriter or like backup harmonica or something like that. Interesting. So something where it's like a one-off thing where right. either they gave him a nickname um, and then it just kind of stuck while they were recording it or something like that. Yeah. That, that seems to be pretty accurate. That's cool. Um, the two Clover albums produced by Robert John Mutt Lange for Phonogram were not successful <laughs> at all after they thought they got their break. Um, two years later, in 1978, the band returned back to California and McPhee joined the Doobie Brothers and Clover disbanded, which is kind of cool how that connection with the Doobie Brothers and Huey Lewis. Right. You know, like they knew each other. They performed together. That's kind of cool. Um McPhee and Lewis, credited as Huey Harp, both appear as guest musicians on George uh, Hatcher's band, Hatcher's band's, sorry, the George <laughs> Hatcher's band's 1977 <laughs> sophomore album, Talkin' Turkey, produced by Tom Alome. Whew. I'm not a whole good at this whole speaking thing. <laughs> That's a good thing we're in a uh, audio medium only. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's just kind of what we were talking about is he was, you know, working, um, as a guest musician on a different album. This is where he was, you know, credited as something different than Huey Lewis. He was Huey Harp instead. Right. Which is, uh, you know, I kind of wonder where they pulled the influence, mm -hmm. um, 
from, but neat. Uh, and then under the name Bluesy Huey Lewis, but Huey Lewis spelled the way that we know him uh, when he became part of Huey Lewis and the News, Lewis played harmonica on Thin Lizzy's 1978 landmark album Live. Oh, sorry, Live and Dangerous. <laughs> Crap. Because I remember talking about this right before we recorded. When we did it yesterday, you said, yeah, he was on Thin Lizzy's live album. Live album. And I and I managed to mess it up. <laughs> That's all right. We'll just, we'll just start over. I mean, we're only 15 <laughs> minutes in. I know. <laughs> I mean, really, it's not that big a deal. Um, so that same year that uh, he played harmonica on Thin, Li- Thin Lizzy's live album, he was playing at Uncle Charlie's, a club in Corda Madera, California. Uh, dur- doing the Monday Night Live spot along with future members of the news. So this is where uh, Huey Lewis and the News members met and started down the journey of Huey Lewis and the News. At this point, uh, Huey Lewis actually fully adopted the way that it's spelled in Huey Lewis and the News as his um, professional name. And the band was billed as Huey Lewis and the American Express. I mean, you know, that's not too bad, though. No, that's pretty good. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit wordy. But it is, yeah. I think the, and like the, long words too, you know, like right. it's not. Right. I mean, it's wordy, but I think it makes up for that in just the, it's kind of got like a a strong patriotic kind of thing going on. Right. Um, yeah, that so. kind of turns you on a little bit. It does. It does. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> no shame. <laughs> um, after recording the song, song um, Exo Disco, a disco version of the theme from the film Exodus, simply as American Express, Lewis landed a singles contract from Phonogram and Bob Brown um, became Huey Lewis's uh, manager. So Huey Lewis himself, as Huey Lewis, got the contract, not necessarily the whole band. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the band played a few gigs, including an opening night for Van Morrison, before adding new guitarist Chris Hayes to the lineup. And then uh, through Brown's advice, they changed their name again to Huey Lewis and the News, and the rest is history. That's not a part of the name, but the rest is history after they officially changed the name to Huey Lewis That'd and the News. That'd be a really long name. <laughs> and the rest is history. After a failed self-titled album debut in 1980, the band finally broke through to the top 40 success with the gold album Picture This back in 1982. It rose to number 13 on the album charts thanks to Mutt Lange penned Do You Believe in Love? Love? which reached Billboard number seven, the band's first commercial hit, which is an amazing song. I mean, that's just, I don't know. That's just the, that's the sound of Huey Lewis. I mean, they've had it all is. kinds of hits, uh, especially on sports. I mean, it was full of just greatness. Every song is just fantastic. But yes, when you think of, when you just think of, do you believe in love that has, that's the epitome of Huey Lewis in the news. Right there. Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things where you crank it up in the car and you sing almost every word. Yeah, and you don't care who's watching. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because we can't put them necessarily up to the tier of Queen Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, well, you're not going to be headbanging in the car at the stoplight <laughs> to, you know, do you believe in love? I mean, I guess you could. I mean, if that's your yeah. thing, but. I mean, if you truly believe in love, then yeah, you, you could do that. But <laughs> God, my jokes are terrible. Honestly, if you just like, if if you just cut me from this podcast, I would totally understand. <laughs> that's all right. I mean, that's all right. I, I struggle a lot of the time. 
<laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like I struggle a lot of the time. And so, you know, this one time that you struggle with words a little bit today, it's okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you always lift me up, you know, you know You're, how to make I a mean, bad day good. I try. <laughs> Ben's like, you know, sometimes I suck too. Like, <laughs> just kidding. All right, man. What's up? You want to take it? Yep. Take I it got back. It. I got it. The band's third LP, Sports, released in 1983, Ooh. is one of the best selling pop releases of all time. It became number one in 1984 and had multi platinum success in 1985. Uh, four singles from the album actually reached top 10 on the Billboard and the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, <clears throat> those four would be Heart and Soul, number eight, uh, I Want a New Drug, Heart of Rock and Roll, and If This Is It, all reached number six. Which is crazy. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I feel like, you know, we both feel like Huey Lewis should have just made this a greatest hits album because literally every song is amazing and like i think if you if you pull from what made do you believe in love so successful the band caught on to what people liked Mm -hmm. and then made sports Mm -hmm. and i think that's what happened like the band was so good at recognizing what their sound was and what people liked about it and just amped it up right well yeah i mean if they ever released a a greatest hits album if it's basically just going to be a direct copy of sports Right, just remaster that shit. I mean, come on. Right, yeah. I mean, there you go. It's <laughs> it's called Sports 2. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, After halftime. That's a stupid joke, too. <laughs> it took me a second to get it, but I got it now. Um, all right, so here's kind of an interesting tidbit of information. Um, in 1985, Lewis actually sued Ray Parker Jr. over similarities between Parker's theme from the 1984 movie Ghostbusters, I Want a New Drug. The case was settled out of court in 1995 with both parties agreeing to keep the settlement a secret. In 2001, Parker sued Lewis, alleging that in a Behind the Music episode, Lewis had uh, discussed the settlement in violation of their non-disclosure agreement. <clears throat> Uh, Parker quoted Lewis in saying, uh, quote, the offensive part was not so much that Ray Parker Jr. had ripped this song off. Uh, It was kind of a symbolic of an industry that wants something. They wanted our wave. They wanted to buy it. Uh, It's not for sale. In the end, I suppose they were right. I suppose it was for sale because basically they bought it. (laughs) So I'm guessing that they paid a large sum of money (laughs) to Huey Lewis in the news (laughs) For the copyright issues. Right. But, so it's like, yeah, it wasn't for sale, but since you used it, go ahead and send some money our way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, oh, man. But it's crazy how long the lawsuit itself was just drug out, you know? Right. And, it, you know, it's it's one of those things to where it's, it was not subtle at all. Like, oh, I yeah. remember it, it, as a little kid listening or, uh, you know, watching Ghostbusters, I'm like, this sounds really familiar. Right. What does right. this sound it's, familiar to? <laughs> it's just like the whole thing with um, Ice Cube or oh, whatever yeah. and Queen, you know, yep. under pressure and yeah. Ice Ice Baby. That, like, vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice. Thank yep. you. God. The Ice Cube, the Ice Tea, and the Vanilla Ice, they all get mixed up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. But yeah, I know. that. I mean, that was a... Dr- I, I've, heard, I've heard stories of... Uh, 
Freddie Mercury, when he first heard that song, he was actually out to lunch or out to for breakfast and it came on the radio where he was eating breakfast at. And I guess I think he was with his manager or something like that. And I guess he like put his fork down, like get the lawyer on the phone now. No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Oh my God. <laughs> oh shoot. Sorry. I'm making a whole bunch of noise. <laughs> wow. We are super professional today. <laughs> uh, Let's so moving and happen. <laughs> moving forward a little bit. Uh, so Lewis knew Nick Lowe and Dave Edmonds from having previously played harmonica on their 1979 album, uh, Labor of Lust and Repeat When Necessary, uh, and produced Lowe's 1985 version of I Knew the Bride When She Used to Rock and Roll. Um, <clears throat> he later produced several songs, including one where he sang backup and played harmonica on Bruce Hornsby and Range's debut album, The Way It Is. Um, and so he kind of... He knew these guys, and they called him up, say, "Hey, we need you. We need some help on this." And so he he obliged and sang back up and played harmonica. Um, but the interesting part is Hornsby actually thanked him by writing the song "Jacob's Ladder," which later turned into a number one single on the News's next album. Which is so awesome. Like, right. what a payback, you know? I mean, not like a bad payback, but like, a, hey, thank you, man. Try this out. Yeah. It's like, hey, thanks for helping us out. I, I wrote this for you. Hopefully you can use it. Hopefully it works out. Boom. Turns into a number one single. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's crazy. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. <clears throat> right. And that's uh, off of four? Yeah. Four. Yes. I do. I do believe so. Okay. Yes. Uh. So Lewis's song Power of Love was also a number one U.S. hit and was featured in the 1985 film Back to the Future, for which they recorded the song Back in Time. Uh, and going back to our the intro to the show today, Lewis actually had a cameo appearance in the film as a faculty member who reject Marty's McFly auditions for the school's Battle of the Bands contest. Um, but going a little bit farther, uh, as an inside joke, the piece the band plays... Uh, is an instrumental heavy metal kind of spoof of the power of love. Um, I don't know the, the whole. There's also uh, I was not aware that uh, a album poster for Sports was actually on Marty McFly's wall in his room uh, right. when he that woke up at that. the end of the movie, which I had not previously noticed, and I'll have to uh, I'll have to watch out for that next time. Right. That's so cool. I, I just love that they worked together in that kind of capacity. And Lewis was like, oh, yeah, this is actually really funny. Like, this is cool. <laughs> and kind of almost like, you know, stands up and says, hey, this sounds awful. You're too loud. Just get out of here. Yeah, it's his song. But I also think it's kind of funny, too, because it's not really a I mean, he's in it, but it's not really a cameo because he's not playing Huey Lewis. He's playing a different character. Oh, I see. Yeah, but it's it's even funnier that they acknowledge Huey Lewis with that album poster. Right. So it's like he's he himself is playing a part in a movie where he also is recognized in real life. So is it fake? <laughs> I don't know. Is that like a double negative? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Did Huey right. Lewis never exist. <laughs> Are we actually in the Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. 
Um, so following the success of Power of Love and Back to the Future, Huey Lewis and the News released their fourth studio album, Four, in 1986. Uh, Four followed the success of sports and reached number one on the Billboard 200. Amazing. I mean, honestly, like sports and Four are just amazing albums. I mean, I, o- I own them now because those are just like... If you Huey Lewis and the fans, or just like the like you know like the sound, or if you're looking to getting into vinyl, definitely Sports and Four are ones that you have to have in your collection, yes. no doubt. I amazing, do not, amazing. I do not have Four. I have Sports. I have a very very good copy of Sports, um, but I don't have Four, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yes. Wow, that was bad. <laughs> that was real bad. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man, but. <laughs> I have my jokes have just not been good this entire time. Well, you wouldn't we laugh at them just some. because. Yeah, I know I lose a lot. <laughs> All right, so we'll we'll trans transition over to uh, the now um, and finish out this episode. So Lewis and his bandmates performed. So kind of what's happening here is the now is what we in in, in terms of uh, Huey Lewis kind of takes place after like four was released and the success of that. So now it's kind of like they're riding the success of sports and four and kind of coasting through uh, the rest of the decades. Right. So Lewis and his band. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, I was just going to explain how sometimes it's kind of hard to distinguish between the then and now on certain people that we talk about. And so for this particular one, we kind of just chose like, Hey, let's talk about the then all the way up to their peak. Right. And shortly after their peak, and then we'll start the now after their their peak of success. Right. So that's where we're at right uh, right now. So right, Lewis right and now. his bandmate, right, right meow, uh, <laughs> performed on USA for Africa's uh, 1985 fundraising single, We Are the World, which was uh, something that a topic of discussion that comes up quite a bit. Uh, in previous shows that we've done, where it's kind of like that round of the uh, around the world. Um, recording and uh airing of this song we are the world um accompanied with like michael jackson and a whole bunch of other famous uh singers mm-hmm. so the remainder of the 1980s and early 90s were mostly spent touring and recording 14 top 20 billboard hot 100 hits and releasing two more hit albums small world in 1988 and that hit number 11 and hard at play that was released in 1991 and reached number 27 hard at play is a good one yeah I know. I, I, I we got to pick those up. We got we got to round out our library. Yeah, we um, got to have the full Huey Lewis in the news experience. Especially since we're such like big fans, I feel like we're doing a disservice. <laughs> That's true. I mean, we can't we can't call ourselves fans because we don't have every album. <clears throat> right, and you only have one. So I know. I mean, <laughs> I have all of them digitally, but I don't really. Ca- I mean, I listen to them, but it's like I don't count them. I see what you're saying. Yeah. The physical stuff is all that matters. Like, I have access to all of them. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on February 13th, 2007, Lewis was interviewed on the podcast series Stuck in the 80s. Oh, sorry. It's okay, Stuck so in that's the, the name of it. Stuck in the 80s. That's the podcast name. So during the interview, he revealed that the band has written several new songs that they planned to record a year later in 2008. Lewis recorded a duet version of Working for a Living with Garth Brooks, which was included on Brooks' three-disc set, The Ultimate Hits, back in late 2007. Um, 
and it's kind of interesting too. I mean, they they reached such success with their sound, and they knew what they were doing by the early '90s. That all they were doing was just kind of doing different renditions, or uh, accompanying other artists, or bringing other artists together to work and collaborate on a song that they've already done, but just bring it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what their career ended up being for most of you know the 21st century so far. Yeah, and. and- and going along on that, I, I don't I can't remember if it's in the show prep or not, if we'll be getting to it here in a minute. But they in interviews, Huey Lewis was actually talking about how, you know, he was asked, you know, are you are you guys looking to put out any any new music? This was sometime between two thousand eight and two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen ish. Um and they're like, Yeah, we'd would love to kind of break back into the scene, maybe release some new stuff, but we just don't we don't know if we'd be relevant. That was actually their answer. Okay. Um, and I think it was not necessarily, it wasn't about their sound being relevant. It was just that they didn't know if they could uh, come back out with anything new. I mean, the, the the music industry had changed so much. I mean, everything, everything was going to digital at that time. Um, you know, I mean, heck now, I mean, today they could probably release vinyl only and do super well because vinyl's making a comeback eight track for whatever reason is making a comeback cassettes are making a comeback <laughs> like they're you know it, at at this point in time everything was going to digital digital was the best thing ever um everything else is trash and so that's kind of what they're worried about it's like i don't you know we don't we don't know if that we we don't know if we would really fit in in this current marketplace right right so they're just going to stick to what they know best and do their best at that right um, on July 4th, 2008, the eve of his 58th birthday, Huey Lewis and the News were the opening act for the annual A Capital Fourth Celebration on the West Lawn of the U.S. Capitol Building in Washington, D.C. But check this out, man. More than a half a million people, 500,000 people attended and was broadcast live on PBS. That is gigantic. Yeah. That is crazy. 500,000, more than 500,000 people in attendance. Oh my god. Like that's crazy. I mean, do you think everybody could hear the band? There's so many people crowded in a in a place like that. Yeah, I don't I don't fully understand how you can get that many people into one place all at once. I just Right. Absolutely. Not. That's like two football stadiums full of people. Yeah, and it's I I would imagine you you would end up being so far away the the people at the back would be so far away that you're basically not at a live concert anymore. Right. At that point you're you're in Virginia. You're outside of Washington <laughs> DC. Like <laughs> Yeah, you're not even in Washington DC anymore. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um the band performed The Heart of Rock and Roll, The Power of Love, and Working for a Living for that concert uh Ooh, opener. Working for a Living. What a amazing uh lineup. What a what an amazing um Set, set list. There you That's go. What I was looking for. Got it. <laughs> All right, man. Why don't you bring us on home? All right. So on April 2nd of 2013, Lewis appeared on ABC television series Dancing with the Stars, where he performed the heart of rock and roll in celebration of the 30th anniversary release of sports and a concert tour with the news. <clears throat> so this part's really funny. I, I, I need to watch the uh, I need to watch the video of this on October 21st, 2015. 
on an episode of Jimmy Kimmel Live, Huey Lewis reprised his role from Back to the Future in a segment where Marty McFly and Doc Brown arrive in the time machine and talk to the host. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just fantastic because, I mean, the whole Marty McFly and Doc Brown, obviously they're the the stars of the show or uh, of the movie. Um, It's obvious that they would be doing something fun on the show, but the fact that they they brought Huey Lewis in, who I mean, he's Huey Lewis, but he had an extremely small part in the movie, right? Right. You know, I mean, he's he was one step above an extra. Really, <laughs> yeah, one step uh, above. And to bring him in on the whole thing uh, is really fantastic. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to find that because I feel like that that'd be really entertaining. I hope it was I hope it was like an actual segment and not just like a quick thing that they glossed over real quick. And, right, uh, right. You know, it kind of bummed me out a little bit. Uh, so, moving forward a little bit, some unfortunate stuff in his life. On October 13th, 2018, Lewis announced that he had been diagnosed with Meniere's disease, um, that he couldn't hear well enough to sing. So, as a result, the remaining shows scheduled for 2018 tour were canceled. Um, I remember, I like, I remember this day in the car hearing this on the new, uh, the news. Um, on the radio, mm-hmm. I was like, "What?" Because I know you and I talked, and the news was coming to the Cleveland area, weren't oh, they? Yep. You were thinking about grabbing tickets or something. Yeah. Yep, I remember. And then, that. I, and then I, I heard that, and I was like, "Oh no, that's not good." Because mm-hmm. with this kind of thing, you know, it's hard to come back and be good enough, mm-hmm. you know, to be on stage singing again. So it's crazy. Well, I think. And I, I I hope I'm not wrong on this, but I also remember hearing about how he tried to cope with it a little bit very early on, um, and was trying to still do some shows where he wasn't singing as much or at all, and he was mostly uh, playing harmonica. Oh, okay. Um, but there were some issues with that. I mean, a it's. It's not Huey Lewis in the news without Huey Lewis singing. Right. And B, I would imagine just like it's hard to sing when you can't hear, it's probably not super easy to play harmonica when you can't hear. <laughs> right, right. Um, oh, poor so, guy, I mean, man. that's just a, a super bummer. I've, I've also heard that he has, uh, that he's had uh, some vocal issues as well. Oh, really? In okay. Years, kind of leading up to this. Um, stuff he was able to, I think, eventually work through, but the the hearing loss finally kind of put, you know, was the the last nail in the coffin as far as his uh, touring career goes. Right. So who knows if we'll be able to ever see Huey Lewis live again? Yep. Who knows? Dang. So I guess just kind of uh, wrapping up the show a little bit with some personal information. Lewis currently lives on his ranch. Uh, near Stevensville, Montana, which he which he considers his permanent residence. He's not doesn't really ever plan on leaving the ranch. I mean, I, I mean, I also, I don't know. I just it seems cool to me that someone like Huey Lewis just lives on a ranch in Montana. You know, he doesn't live right. in L.A. or anything like that. He's just like a kind of living like a normal guy. I mean, <laughs> right, I'm sure he's right. he's doing very well. He is not working super hard for working for a living. Yeah, right, right. But it is cool that he lives on a ranch and not in some, like, L.A. penthouse or something. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. Um, 
and earlier on he had actually married his manager's secretary, Sidney Conroy, in 1983 in Hawaii before separating a mere six years later. They ended up actually having a daughter, Kelly, and a son, Austin, together, which I believe are his only children. Only known children. Only known, yeah. Yeah, who knows? (laughs) Who knows? I mean, he is Huey Lewis, so. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's amazing. Cool. What a cool roundup, man. We will leave it on that note. That was Then and Now, (laughs) Volume 10 of Ben and I's, uh, one of our favorite musicians and bands ever, Huey Lewis and the News. Thank you so much for sticking around. Um, It means a ton to have you guys here. As always, you can find us on all of your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. We're out there. If If you like what you're hearing, Give us a five-star review. Hit that five-star button. Scroll down. Hit that right of a view button. And please take about 30 seconds. Let us know what you like about the show. It really, truly means a lot to hear from you guys. As always, if you have a topic for a future show, want to be a guest with us, or have a guest you'd like us to get in contact with, email us at youngnostalgiapod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Um Ben, anything else, big guy? No, that was super fun. I I like then and nows anyway, but especially talking about Huey Lewis uh, was fantastic. I I had I had no idea he had such a rich and oddball life. Uh, I knew he was extremely smart. I had no idea, you know, he scored perfect on the SAT and all that stuff. Um, right, a lot of fun. Too bad we weren't able to get to Rod Stewart, but uh, make sure to stay tuned for. I don't know, probably sometime next month we'll end up coming back with the next Then and Now and uh, we'll take a a deep look at Rod Stewart. That's going to be a good show as well. Absolutely. I'm excited. I like Rod Stewart. Never really know much of his back history, though. Exactly. Me too. So it'll be interesting to to see that. There's some good Rod Stewart stuff out there, but just like you, I don't don't necessarily know a ton about his his life. And so that's going to be a a good uh, uh, learning experience for both of us. Right, absolutely. All right. That's amazing. Oops. Mixer's too high. Okay. Ben, <laughs> as we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. I always tend to mess up something, you know? It's always something. <laughs> we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, a safe holiday. Ben, we'll talk to you next week as well as everyone else. 